Welcome to the podcast of Wiser, Women in Surgery at the Emory Residencies, where we share the careers and life stories of Emory surgeons across all specialties to recognize the diverse achievements happening right here at our own institution. In this episode, we interview our first vascular surgeon on the Wiser podcast, who has gone from sewing clothes at the Fashion Institute to sewing vessels in the OR. Dr. Tiedorescu shares her experiences from being completely discouraged from surgery as a trainee to thriving as a vascular surgeon. We can't wait for you to listen. My name is Amanda Fobert. I'm one of the fourth-year residents in the Emory General Surgery Residency Program. I'm an aspiring vascular surgeon, and I'm here with Dima, a fourth-year uh, Emory medical student. In this episode of the Wiser Podcast, we have the privilege of talking with Dr. Victoria Tudorescu, who is an associate professor of surgery at Emory in the Division of Vascular Surgery and Endovascular Therapy. Dr. Tudorescu received her undergraduate and medical degrees from NYU before training in both general surgery and vascular surgery residencies at Mount Sinai. Following this, she was Chief of Vascular Surgery at the Bronx VA Medical Center, where she instituted a diabetic foot clinic to combat emergency amputations for foot infections. In 1998, she returned to Mount Sinai as Vascular Surgery faculty, where she was also the Medical Director of the Vascular Lab. She received an MBA in Healthcare at George Washington University in 2010 and joined Emory's faculty in 2016. So let's get started. Why don't you tell us a little, about, a little bit about where you're from and what your childhood was like? Uh, so I grew up in New Jersey, and and it's actually a very funny thing because I don't consider myself a New Jersey, and, and I think the reason for that is that my mom and her whole family had grown up in Nebraska, and we were very enamored of our uh, Scandinavian family background, people coming across the Atlantic Ocean in the 1880s and then dragging a piano by covered wagon halfway across the country and taking advantage of the Homestead Act. And so we had gone out there. A lot of my mom's family is still out there. And so in childhood, we had gone out there um, for summers and things like that and chased after cows to have her own rodeo, although my grandfather (laughs) (laughs) would come flying out of the fields on the tractor and stop those stupid city kids from killing themselves. (laughs) We went swimming in the irrigation ditch and found snakes in the backyard and picked ticks off my, you know, the farm jog. And so New, New Jersey can does not hold a candle to any of that whatsoever. Uh, So after, uh, uh, you know, so that had been my childhood, you know, and I I think because of my mom's family, you know, and and I think a lot of how I am was all reflected by the female relatives because my mother, um, there were great aunts, you know, and my grandmother were all incredibly strong women incredibly because they kind of were at just out on the farm taking care of these guys you know who would spend all day you know out on the tractor and in the sun and like just kind of ran everything and in my mind it was a very matriarchal family and as a matter of fact um, many of my great aunts surprisingly enough because this would have been in the 1920s i think had all gone to college oh that's amazing yeah yeah like really amazing very rare um so when i turned 18 and 
kind of just like my mom, I kind of up and left home. And then there's not that much, can't go further, much that further, much e further east than New Jersey. <laughs> so I went up to New York. And certainly a much um, more vibrant and interesting place in you know Middlesex County in New Jersey, and and I really didn't know at the time what what I wanted to do. You know, I'd always kind of I liked a lot of stuff in school. I, I liked um, science and math. Um, that wasn't such a cool thing. You know, at the time, yeah. Um, yeah. you know the girls actually in my high school hadn't really been expected to do much of anything and it kind of start with the thought that you want, really want to do something in your life but there's no sort of guidance or anything in terms of what that something is supposed to be Certainly, and you can struggle so I worked for a very long time went to night school for a very long time and I uh, actually spent a little bit of time in Fashion Institute oh, of wow. Technology <laughs> because I thought designing was cool. And in retrospect, I think that was quite fabulous because it certainly enhanced my sewing. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow the dust had all cleared and I figured out I really should go to medical school. Somehow it all kind of sorted out and then they did get into medical school. Um, fell in love uh, with surgery, despite thinking this is probably not gonna be so great for the, you know, for the, my personal life, but you know, you, you just have to do what you like. So you and I have talked before, I think um, you had mentioned that your program director at Mount Sinai was very progressive for the time um, that you were in residency. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, they're actually uh, even getting into surgery. So I had gone to school at NYU, you know, and at the time, um, since I had been married in medical school, the, the dean actually, who also was a, a woman, had said to me, and I, I don't think anybody else, no one else in my class went into surgery. You know, there's some women who went into OBing, you know, but she had said, if you're going to do a surgical residency, since you're married, you have to have your kids in medical school because once you get into residency, you're not going to be able to do it. Sure. And I think at the time that was a very correct, very correct assessment. And, and so I did. And then two years later, you know, the program director came and said, even though people, you know, came and said, take or take or we're not going to take you because women with children don't belong in surgery. Oh my gosh. And, you know, it's a very stunning thing. And what can you do about it? Because if you make it stink, then it's, we didn't say that. And this is why we can't have women, because they're hysterical. Look at how they respond to things. Mm -hmm. And luckily, the chief of surgery up at Mount Sinai was a complete opposite. And he had a very strong wife, and he had two daughters. And she made a very strong impression on him. Even I graduated in 85 to always have women in the surgery program. So it was a very 
much more you know welcoming than easier place uh, to be a woman could you talk a little bit about the biggest obstacles you faced throughout your career path and how you've had had to navigate them so i think the management of time is the most difficult thing my interests lie in many different areas, so wanted to get involved in, in the vascular lab, which I hadn't done, and then I had gotten involved in dialysis access, and then surgery, and then there were personal things, and of course my kids, and, and you know, and then to try to have a personal life for myself on top of that. And I think particularly uh, in my earlier years and when my family was earlier, there's always a very strong sense of I'm not doing everything in my life as, as well as I could. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know how much of this is what you perceive coming from the outside or if this is real stuff coming from the outside of, oh, if you're a mother, you shouldn't be working. Oh, if you're a surgeon, you shouldn't have children, you know, there's not enough time uh, for everything. Now I have a much longer perspective of it. It's not really the so much the day-to-day, minute-by-minute thing, but the fact that it's a very, very long-term relationship, and it's just being being there every day in whatever fashion you can. So when I asked my sons, you know, what did you think about about the fact that I was doing that, and they said, doing what? (laughs) 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 And they said, well, that I was working, and they said, like, what are you talking about? That's just how our life was. Right, sure. I wish I had (laughs) known that a long time ago, although there were some some funny things, and my younger son was in kindergarten. They went to a parent-teacher conference, and the teacher said to me, oh, so you work for the phone company? <laughs> and I said, uh, no, what would make you think that? And they said, and she said, oh, because your son told me you were an operator. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> one of my good friends said, and I think this is one of the best, it, it kind of took me by surprise when he had said this, um, because I hadn't really thought of myself as so ambitious, but when I look back and say, what are you kidding me? <laughs> um, the, he said, don't forget to pay respect to your ambitions, you know, mm-hmm. because if you don't, you'll, be, you'll have a feeling of not having done something with your life, you know, when you get fur- further along. And he had also said, and don't be afraid of it either. Hopefully these days younger people are, you know, getting better advice than what we had, you know, a zillion years ago when you weren't supposed to be anything other than a, you know, a farm wife or, or a teacher. Right. Pay attention to that within you that says, I really have this in me to excel. And it's, it's actually important because nobody, nobody else coming through is going to have your particular characteristics and you know your capabilities be the best of everything that we can be because who knows what's going to come up out of it. I know we've spoken a lot of the challenges um, that you faced in your career and I was wondering what some of the greatest joys in your career have been. As a vascular surgeon you take um, very 
deep satisfaction and what seems to be relatively, you know, weren't front page news, you know, in the progress of your patients. And so that's always been an incredibly satisfying thing, you know, and I think it's one of the joys of being a physician and, you know, even though there may be some naysaying about going into medicine these days, I think there is no profession to beat this, you know, because it's just so so much satisfaction to be gained in that. One of my favorite stories was an old guy, 70 years old. I had known him for a long time, but he, and he had some vascular disease, but ran into problems with a forefoot infection. You know, we were lucky to have an orthopedic surgeon um, who was, you know, interested and really highly skilled in foot reconstruction. So the this was close to a Symes amputation. Then he needed a pop to DP bypass. So I got my friend and said, how now can we do this? And he said, oh, sure, I'll just move the heel like right under the calcaneus and move some tendons around. And then you can do the bypass and it'll all be great. You know? So it was a little complicated surgery. And in the course of this, his daughter came, who I had known for a while, and said, you have to do the surgery. My mom and my dad, and this is true, you'll see this in the office, that people come and with their family, and these family conflicts all arise in the office, and you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so she said uh, they argue all the time, but they've been married for 45 years. My mom said to my dad, if you get amputated, I'm divorcing you. <gasps> oh, no. And so I said, oh, no, oh, now the pressure's <laughs> yeah, <on."> seriously. <laughs> So we did the, the bypass. It was a, Steve had done the loveliest thing. He ended up with this, because he moved calcaneus forward, it's still dorsiflexed from the mm. tendons, and you could feel this you know, nice bypass on top of the foot that still moved. And um, he never actually did get amputated, and he stayed wow. married for the next <laughs> three years until he died of an MI, and he never oh, ended no. up in a nursing home. And it's like... That's to me one of you know my favorite patients of all time. All of those things that really accumulate over the years, starting the vascular lab here at Grading. We missed the first year by a couple of months, but in, uh, we were the seventh program to do the zero plus five at Mount Sinai, and so that was mine as well. Oh, very cool. Yeah, no, that, that was very cool. Yeah, yeah that was very because there were a lot of naysayers at the time. What are some of the most important learning points in the first few years of medical school for students? I think the biggest I think the biggest thing to learn is to is to be able to take yourself seriously mm-hmm. and to recognize yourself as a professional, which is an extraordinarily hard thing to do. You know, so our city hospital was Bellevue, you know, and you're sitting in New York and everybody's very belligerent there. You walk into a patient room, people like, look at, who are you? And you don't know what to say. You can't say, I'm doctor, you know, because you're not. And you think, <laughs> I don't know if I belong here. I don't think <laughs> I know anything. <laughs> I can't help you. <laughs> and that sort of feeling uh, may persist for a time, and even during internship, it was a lot of, like, kind of back and forth. Um, 
between interns and very experienced nurses, you know, who have mm -hmm. so much right. great clinical experience and they've seen everything and know everything. And, you know, you're just, you think, but I'm the doctor. I'm supposed to be telling you. I think to come to a sense of yourself of like really who you are and what power there is behind the MDing and to be able to wield that in a judicious but powerful way is probably one of the hardest things to learn in those early years, but it's very necessary. That's an incredible lesson that many medical students go through. It's kind of part of the trajectory of the learning, right. but I think to hear it said and so eloquently is very impactful. In life beyond surgery, what are some of your hobbies and interests? And right now, Atlanta United and soccer is a very big deal. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know why that is. I brought my kids to soccer when you know they played in elementary and you know high school. As a mom, to go and watch a soccer game now. This is in New York, so it's October, November, and it's freezing cold and often raining. And you're thinking, can't they hurry up? Can't they hurry up? <laughs> so I didn't like get a lot in soccer because it's a whole mass of people who are very enthusiastic about this and I think because it's a place where you can go and like scream at the top of your lungs. That's right. <laughs> Music is great and luckily I live across the street from Commonwealth you know which is very cool like little artsy place to be. They do uh, lessons of all sorts including music lessons so that's actually currently on my list. Call Colin Wild, get a music teacher <laughs> and I want to learn how to play Beethoven sonatas and I say this is like not ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> what is some advice that you'd give to young surgeons today? It's the hardest thing to, to really take to heart you know is to appreciate yourself mm -hmm. and all the good and bad you know a lot of times we just focus on uh, our faults but to tell you the truth a lot of times those things may not necessarily be faults you know and if you're doing things a little bit different or the outcomes aren't so good that's an opportunity to think about it and I kind of thought that if you think about things in that regard, you actually find something actually wonderfully positive out of it because it shows you another side or a way to, to do things, you know, that you haven't really appreciated. This is our one life, you know, and all of those talents really do deserve to be shown. Well, thank you very much for spending the afternoon with us. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to today's Wiser podcast. Hope you join us next time for another great interview. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Wiser Podcast or send us an email at wiserpodcast at gmail.com to join our email newsletter list. Thanks for your support and we hope to hear from you soon.